We start a series today entitled Reversing the Curse. Jesus is passing through. Four messages. This is the first one. Jesus is passing through. Now, as I introduce this, I need, I need, to, I need to just talk to you a minute because every time we talk about curses, people get nervous. Because they say, there ain't no such thing as a curse anymore. I'm a Christian. Uh, I mean, even on, the, even on the Church of God preacher's page, you get on there and, oh, we're, we're not under curse. We're saved. And I think, yeah, well, uh, it seems to me like the first curse that came on mankind was men have to work for a living by the sweat of their brow. And women have pain in childbearing. So let me know how, that's, how that curse is working for you. Seems like it's still sweating, still, uh, still hurting. <laughs> I don't know of anyone that's just pushing out babies. Let's have another one. Seems to me like we're still under some curses. I mean, if we just talk, I believe with all my heart that healing is provided in the atonement. I, I believe healing is provided in the cross of Jesus Christ. And a lot of people get healed, but not everybody gets healed. But let me say, if curses bother you, if that word bothers you, then take it out and put another word. Just say, I'm, I'm having a lot of circumstances. It seems like my life's not going in the way it should go. So if you don't want to call it a curse, don't call it a curse. But I'm talking about reversing the, the, reversing the way your life is going if your life isn't going in the right direction. But that's a long title, so I'm not going to use it. Jesus is passing through. Here, here's, 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 the thing about, here's the thing about healing. And here's the thing about curses or whatever you want to call it. First of all, I don't believe any of them are legal. They're not legal. Don't act like you have to be sick. You have to be poor. You have to work until you're stressed, until your body falls apart. Listen, I'm telling you, we are not legally. We're, we're, curses are illegal in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you, saints, if some, some old leather neck, backslidden saint try, tries to put a curse on you. You don't need to walk in fear. Don't you talk, oh, they're cursing me. I've heard people say, I'm praying against that. I have never heard of such a thing. You're praying against somebody? Or you're going to get quiet on me. Who told you you could pray against? Let's pray for. If you'll just pray for people, God might just fix their old nasty attitude. Oh, God, I'm, I am wound up this morning. Stand by for a ramming. Amen. It's, <laughs> I'm here to tell you that, that if, if you feel, listen, curses are not legal. Amen. But here's the second thing. We don't always know why we're not healed. We don't always understand why we don't have the breakthrough. We don't understand why we have to go through some things. Anybody ever been through some things? And you thought, well, God should have delivered me. But listen to me. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Uh, we don't understand all that till we get to heaven. But I do understand that. If you want to build muscle in your spiritual faith, you've got to go through some things. If you, if you in the natural, any bodybuilders here? You know? I, or, or just anybody work out? Does anyone walk to their car? I, 
um, <laughs> listen, listen, listen to what I'm saying. They tell you if you want to build muscles, you have to have resistance. If you can't build faith without a battle, amen. You can't build faith if you don't use faith. You can't build faith unless you're in the middle of something. And I'm promising you by the authority of God's word, if look back on your life, everything you've ever gone through, everything you've ever gone through, if you walk through it by faith, you came out of it stronger. Amen in Jesus' name. I'm talking to somebody that needs to hear it. Third thing I want you to understand about these, about these curses is that God doesn't enjoy what you're going through. But he's an amazing God who can take what you're going through and shove it in the devil's face and make it come out all right. Amen. Devil puts you through it. All right, devil, watch this. God can use sickness. God can use whatever you're going through and reverse that. And ultimately, because you walk by faith, something even better will come about. Give God praise if you understand what I'm saying. Our scripture text is from Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And it's a familiar story, but I, I, and I don't know that I, well, I've preached part of it, but, I, but, but watch this. this is, they came to Jericho. Everyone say Jericho. They came to Jericho. Y'all familiar with Jericho, right? The walls come tumbling down, all right? As he went out of Jericho. As he went out of Jericho. So that means he walked through Jericho. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Not, why am I going through this, Jesus? I thought you were God. Don't you love me? Getting quiet again. I know when I'm stepping on your toes. Then many warned him. Oh, there's always a bunch, aren't there? There's always somebody who wants to keep order in the church. That's not how we do things. It's not in the bulletin that way. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I'm ornery today. Many warned him to be quiet, but he carried, cried, and we carried on too. He carried on. He cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Uh So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer. Oh, now you like him. Be of good cheer. Uh Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and never came to church again and followed Jesus on the road. I wonder, well, don't let me me get ahead of myself. 
I want you to see several things here that we can learn from this. Uh, from this, First of all, you need to understand that Jericho was a city under a curse. It was a city under a curse. All the way back to Joshua. Joshua chapter 6, verse 26, right? Uh, then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. He said, God tore this city down, and cursed be the man who tries to build it back. Listen, don't ever try to build something that God's trying to tear down. If God says no, it's no. If God says go, go. If God, Listen, quit trying to build things that God's not into. I think a lot of times we just pray, God, bless my mess. Instead of, God, what do you want me to do? So watch this in, uh, in, uh, in the next scripture there in uh, 1 Kings, right, chapter 16. It was under Ahab's rule that Hael of Bethel refortified Jericho, but at a terrible cost. He ritually sacrificed his firstborn, Abiram, at the laying of the foundation, and his youngest son, Segub, uh, at the setting up of the gates. This is exactly what Joshua, son of Nun, said would happen. It was a forbidden city. It was supposed to be leveled forever. But aren't you glad that Jesus goes where the curse is? He could have said, you know what, that city's cursed. I, I'm a religion. I'm a holy man, and I can't be associated with any cursed city, so let's just kind of go around the city. Now, now I'm sure it's just, you know, you know, his disciples are a mess. I'm sure his disciples said, now, Jesus, we can't go through Jericho. That's a cursed city. And Jesus kind of said, you know what? That's exactly why we're going to walk through that city. Amen. Jesus isn't afraid of the curse. He walks through the curse. He looks the curse in the eye. He rebukes the curse. He, ah, let me tell you something. He knows how to reverse the curse. Because a man who was blind was healed in a city that was cursed. It, God can reverse the curse going on in your life. Regardless of what's going on, God can turn it around and make it change. Anybody believe what I'm saying is true? Give him praise. Amen. I believe as he walked through the city, <coughs> excuse me, as he walked through the city, Notice that blind Bartimaeus was, on, was outside the city. He walked all the way through it, and as he got through it, the curse was lifted. And a blind man, a blind man was able to see. Wow, praise God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jericho's only like 15 miles from Jerusalem. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to die. To die. Jericho is also where the Good Samaritan, where that little parable was. <laughs> he reversed the curse. And a man who was beaten along the road got his life turned around. Jericho is also the place where Zacchaeus was up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you sinner. <laughs> I mean, he was a tax collector. There's, there's, to this day, there's nothing lower than a tax collector. Sorry. <laughs> I should have preached that in April. <clears throat> Next year, make a note. <laughs> really, back then, because they weren't just collecting taxes, they were dishonest. They were all very wealthy people because, 
You know, it's like one for me, one for the government, one for me. Uh, they could, actually, a tax collector in that time could, take, could collect any amount he wanted as long as he gave the amount required to Rome. So he, he, could, he could charge anything he wanted. Boy, that was ripe for abuse. So Zacchaeus was a hated man. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to eat with you today. And the religious folk are like, take me home. <laughs> you know, it's the big one. Wow. Good things happen in Jericho because Jesus passed through. Good things are going to happen to you because Jesus is passing through this morning. Number two, number two, notice that Bartimaeus cries out. Listen, he can hear, but he can't see. And we get in those situations where we hear the word, we hear the promise, we hear what God's saying, but we can't see it. I hear you preaching, preacher, but I can't see it happening in my life. I don't seem to have the vision for it. I, I hear the word, but I can't visualize it. I can't imagine really how God could turn my life around. I can't see it. So, you know, and so I don't know what I could do or say except that God can heal blinded eyes. And he can help you. He can give you a vision of how this works and how it's possible. Better yet, he can just... Do it, and then you'll see it. He cries out. He pleads, mercy, son of David. And, and I thought, the attitude of this man, he's not blaming God. He's not bitter. You need to understand that Bartimaeus was at the bottom of society. He, he, was, not, he was not somebody that anybody would pay attention to. Are, are you hearing? It's kind of like that, you know, some guy out on the street begging for money, and you're just kind of like, oh, don't make eye contact, don't be. And you just, you just pass him by as irrelevant. That man can do nothing for me, and he's probably just pandering, and he's not getting anything for me, right? Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. I'll get on his name here in a minute. But Bartimaeus was a nobody. But he cries out, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, anybody hearing what I'm saying? Jesus. Now compare that to the attitude of the disciples. Read Mark 10 and Mark 9, and, 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 and you, you get this picture because in, in, those, in those two chapters, you read about the disciples who were fussing because the children were getting in the way. Right? James and John were arguing over who would be the greatest. Which, which, which one of us gets to be on the right and which one on the left? And Jesus is like saying, who says, anyone, who says you two are getting the right and the left, period? Where's their head at? Jesus is about to go to the cross in a few days. And they're arguing over who's going to sit on the right and sit on the left. Jesus would... Uh, in those chapters, this is where they, they say, this guy was preaching and he wasn't part of the in-group. And they said, Jesus, should we call fire down on him? 
That sounds crazy, but I read about pre these preachers all the time, resentful of people who don't believe the same way we well, they don't believe, you know, some stupid little doctrine that doesn't make any difference and, and they'll just ostracize them, call them heretics and, well, I can't talk. Listen, where are their heads at? If we love Jesus, can't we all just get along? I, listen, I'm not saying doctrine's not important. I'm saying Jesus is more important. The, one of the biggest revelations we'll have in heaven is that we were all wrong. None of us have a corner on truth. We'll spend eternity learning more about Jesus. So I'm surely convinced you don't know it all yet. Amen. And you don't have every doctrine right. Biggest revelation we'll have is how wrong we were. Come on. Know what you believe. Preach what you believe. But quit beating everybody over the head over little doctrines that don't amount to a whole lot. Shall I call fire down from heaven? Shall we kick the kids out of the church? And they're just being, you know, that baby's crying. I can't concentrate. Oh, my God. A baby crying is the most beautiful sound this church ought to have. You realize how many churches don't have any babies? Come on. I hear people come up, oh, Pastor, I'm sorry my baby was crying. I didn't even notice. I could care less. Let the baby cry. Get over it. I probably shouldn't have said that. I probably... <laughs> Five people just walked out of the nursery and brought their baby. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. Come on now. Number three. I got to hurry up. Number three. Number three. Number three. He cast off his garments when Jesus called him. There's a couple reasons for this. Number one, number one, number one, he didn't, he didn't want any weight to hold him back. When Jesus said, come, he's like, I'm coming. Amen, right? I'm not going to let. Listen, when Jesus says, come, when you feel like the answer is coming, don't sit around and, and, and wonder about this, that, and the other, and doubt this one and that one. Why don't you just take off your coat and run to Jesus? He said, this old bulky thing is getting in my way. I'm going to get it off, and I'm running to Jesus. If Jesus said, come, I'm coming. Come on. Taste and see the Lord is good. Come on, just come into his presence. But I think the, the second reason is, is, is even more importantly. He was, what he was doing was casting away his old identity. That robe identified, clothes back then, really identified your, sta your status in life. And he was wearing the lowest clothes. He was wearing the clothes of a beggar. You know, here's the thing about being a beggar. Even if, even if you have nice clothes, you don't wear them when you're begging. I thought I'd help you out with that tip, right? There's an old, I got to tell you. Uh, Y'all know this, Charles Spurgeon, Spurgeon the, from a century ago, and the famous Baptist preacher in London. What a, what a, preaching man he was going down through the street and he saw this beggar and he had no shoes so he took off his patent leather brand new i mean expensive shoes he took off his expensive shoes and gave them to the beggar next day he comes through the street same beggar same street no shoes and he said god i gave that man good shoes and he's not even wearing them and god spoke to him and he said well how much money do you think that beggar's going to make with patent leather shoes on 
Okay, Lord. <laughs> you have to play the role. He, was, he had beggar clothes on. That was his identity. Listen, he was familiar to the crowd that way. That's why they said, shut up. They said, shut up because you're a nobody. They said, shut up because you don't count. They said, shut up because we're more important than you. They said, shut up because there's no hope for you. They said, shut up because Jesus is a busy man and doesn't have time for you. Oh, Jesus, help us in this place. Shut up because you're never going anywhere, never be anybody. His son, his name was Bartimaeus. Bar, Bar means son of. He didn't even have a name. He's just the son of somebody. He's just the son of somebody. That's all he is. His identity was in his father because, you know, his father may have been well off. His father may have done great things. So he's the son of, but he himself has done nothing, has accomplished nothing, can do nothing. His, his only income is begging. This man is a nobody and a nothing and going nowhere. But Jesus stopped the crowd and said, let me talk to him. Jesus will stop the crowd for you. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, what's going on in your life, everybody else's opinion about you, none of that matters. He'll walk through your curse and open your eyes. Amen. Give him a praise. Oh, wow. He was ignored. But Jesus said, bring him to me. And the whole crowd just stopped, and, and now they're all wanting to help the guy. Oh, come here. Love you, man. Oh, the pastor likes him. Well, then I guess I like him too. <laughs> you start treating people bad to you un until you see the pastor treating him good. Well, I guess I'm love you too, man. Oh, my God. All of a sudden, everyone's nice to him. But you know why? Because of the, that represents the authority of Jesus. When Jesus says, bring him to me, the whole crowd stopped. And listen, it's, this is not just an average crowd. They're getting ready for Passover. So the, these crowds are coming from everywhere. They're, they're walking that 15 miles to Jerusalem because that's required of every male. And so the, the crowds are moving. They're moving through, through Jericho. They're headed on their way to Jerusalem. This was a common way for uh, rabbis and teachers to teach. They would just walk along the path, and they would walk for miles and sleep at night on the roadside. And, and people would just follow, and the rabbi would teach as they they walked. Huh, that's pretty cool. We all walk with me after church, and we'll just see how far you go and how, uh, how long you'll stay with me. My God, we, we won't even stay longer than 30 minutes in a padded air-conditioned seat, amen? They would walk miles. And so this crowd has been going with Jesus who knows how long, and they got another 15 miles. And by the way, when you walk, that's a long walk. <laughs> Come on. But all of a sudden, the authority of Jesus, boom, boom. And then he actually had a first name. Did you know that? Yeah. His first name was Blind. <laughs> Which Bartimaeus are you talking The blind one. Yeah, he's blind Bartimaeus. Isn't it funny in the scriptures that they always put the name of their condition, even though they were healed of their condition? The woman caught in adultery. 
the adulterous woman, the prodigal son, the need I go on, right? Mary, who was possessed with devils, you know, it's, I mean, it's like they go through life and their whole life is, is, the name's attached. I don't know why they do that in the little titles above the chapter. They ought to just say, the, the, the man, the healed blind man. But somehow those names, because of our conditions from the past, they seem to follow us. And people start naming you according to your condition. You start describing somebody and say, oh, yeah, that's the guy that, oh, yeah. If we can name some problem with them, then we know who they are. God help us. Blind Bartimaeus. Well, I got news for you. That's not his name anymore. He took off that coat because he wasn't going to be blind Bartimaeus anymore. He was, oh, was going to be, I see, I was healed, Bartimaeus. Can I get an amen? Don't let your condition define you. I am not defined by my past, by my hurts, by my failures. I'm not defined by other people's opinions. I'm not named by that. I am not defined by what my parents think about me. I'm not defined even by what the church thinks about me. I am defined by the name, the new name God gave me in heaven. God gave me a new. When the Bible, the song said, there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Huh? That's all I remember. Hallelujah. And, and we think, oh, God just wrote his name in a book. You know what? Your name's been in the book before you were even saved. He didn't just say, hmm, should we put it in? I don't know if they'll last. I don't know. No, he knows who's going to last. Your name's either been in the book for all eternity or not in the book for all eternity. Oh, that's a scary thought. <laughs> sort of weird, huh? How does God know? Because he knows everything. Not because he determined it, but he just knows the end result. He knows who'll say yes and stick with it, and he knows who lies and lives a hypocritical life. He knows who will never say yes. Oh, it's quiet in this house. No, it's, it's not that. You know, the new name is your real identity. It's who you really are in God. You know, I've preached this so many times, and I, I, I hope you understand it. I hope you understand it. God has a name for you. And it may not be any, a name that no one else calls you because they don't see it in you yet. But it's time to take off that old identity and put on the identity that Jesus says you are. And fourthly, real quickly, his new identity is follower of Jesus. He didn't go home and just say, get me a box of tithe envelopes and I'll be in church next Sunday. All that's good. But what he, what he became was a follower. That day, the crowd added one more person. <laughs> and he walked to, to Jerusalem that day with Jesus probably saw him die on the cross. Be interested to know what happened to Bartimaeus after that. Isn't that cool? 
He walked with Jesus. Listen, whenever he touches you, he doesn't, touches, he doesn't touch you just because you're good looking. He doesn't touch you because you're all that. But when he touches you, it's so you'll become a follower of Jesus. He touches you so you're free to be a follower of Jesus. Hallelujah. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Stand to your feet as the worship team comes. God will give you a touch that will cause you to see and cause you to follow Jesus Christ. I'm just coming by today to tell you, wow, he is passing through your curse. He's passing through that situation that the doctor said, I don't know what it is and I can't help you. He's passing through that curse that says, you'll never be able to pay your bills. You are in financial trouble. He's passing through that curse that says, this has been in my family for generations, and I don't know that we'll ever get rid of it. My grandma had it. My mother had it. Now I got it. Or I'm afraid of getting it. Am I talking to anybody? That curse that says there's no hope for me. I'll never amount to anything. I, I can go on. I can make a long list. How many know I can make a long list of curses or whatever you want to call them if you're not comfortable with that? But listen, we're all under some attack. We're all under some hindrances. I wonder this morning how many need to reverse the situation in your family, in your home, in your finances, in your health, in your spiritual life, in your thoughts. Prayed for a little boy today who can't sleep at night. That little boy's going to sleep tonight. We reversed it in Jesus' name. You don't, they're illegal anyway. He, he pled Jesus, have mercy. He pled mercy. Well, we got something even greater than mercy. We can plead the blood. We plead the blood. What does that mean? It's kind of a courtroom term, right? You plead guilty or not guilty. By the way, you're guilty. You can't plead not guilty. So you plead the blood. Say, I'm guilty, but I plead the blood. I'm guilty, but I have a substitute for my punishment. I, I, I plead the blood. I'm guilty, but someone else paid the price. So I plead the blood. Oh, God, if that doesn't get you, nothing will. Father, in Jesus' name, we plead the blood. We plead the blood. Whew. Over everything that's hindering, that's stopping, that's blinding, that's, that's, that's hurting from our past, from our present, fear of the future, whatever it is, in Jesus' name, we see that you're passing through it. And as you pass through it, you heal it. <laughs>